other's gang. Two sisters, both curious and strange. I like a duo and they witty from the brain. It's the magic hour, Mercedes and Jay. <laughs> Welcome to the Magic Hour, boys and germs and ladies and gents and all those humanoids out there. I'm Mercedes Terrell, and you already know who's with me. My majestic partner in shine, Jade. Jade, what's up? That's me. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking to Whitney Miller from Glory Kickboxing, who is also the first lady of On It Gym. She is a badass, so we got a lot yeah. in store with that. Yep. What I love about Whitney is that she's so open about her shadows. Like, instead of saying, yes, I'm in an open relationship with Aubrey Marcus, and it's awesome, <laughs> she admits that it's hard and that she still has to work through jealousy at times. She once said in a very vulnerable post that she admits to going through her boyfriend's phone then asking a ton of questions. And Mm -hmm. I really admired her for her honesty so that her followers didn't just see the glam and the glitz of what, you know, social media can sometimes be. Right. And that's something not a lot of people would admit to also, especially publicly to strangers who may or may not react kindly about it. For sure. I know, uh, you know, I've gone through every phone of every boyfriend (laughs) that I've had and I'm not, I'm not proud of that. Um, (laughs) And I did find something every time, whether it was that he wasn't actually divorced, that he was just talking degrading stuff with a guy friend, or that he hung with an ex, you know, the the like. But I do think that if you're looking for something, you're going to find it, you know. Um, I haven't done that in years, and I like it better this way. I do like when couples share their locations with each other because it shows an incredible amount of trust and transparency. <laughs> but I'm also totally fine not knowing passwords anymore yeah yeah what about you have you done have you done that first off i think have any, you done have you done the dirty uh done the dirty uh i think anybody listening who might have been like just just on the verge of looking through their significant other's phone just got pushed over the ledge with that list of things <laughs> you found on your previous boyfriend's phone jade um yeah. but it is true though you know, as I say, curiosity did kill the cat. And, and I'm can... on my ninth life. Mm-hmm, girl. <laughs> curiosity can do the same damn thing in a relationship, too. Kill it. Um, but I guess it's kind of, it's not really curiosity, though, is it? It's like, it's your own ego wanting to feel anything. Like, just wanting to feel something. You're looking to either confirm you have something or you have nothing to get jealous about. So then it's a matter of sussing out where that jealous part of you is living and hopefully shedding that shit. That's the goal anyway, which, by the way, is a journey I'm still very much on myself. So with that said, yes, I have done the dirty. I have gone through the phone of my lovers, um, which only confirmed what I already knew was true in my gut about them anyway. Uh, whether that was like that they were slimy, scummy, untrustworthy toads, or in some cases that they were exactly who they said they were. And and sometimes in the case that there wasn't even much in their phones to upset me, I still managed to find ways to be upset about whatever I found. So Yeah, that- the fact that they deleted it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's not here because you deleted it. 
So, I mean, yeah, if that... right. There's only one text in here. Oh, Give me a boy. Break. See what this breaks <laughs> up. This is all kinds of bad news, bears. <laughs> but, I mean, if that's not confirmation that the ego is fully running the show, then I don't know what is. So, stay away from that stuff. Yeah. And um, it's also, yeah, go ahead. It's also like, um, if you're doing it, you have trust issues. And that's something you have to uh, take responsibility for. Like, even if the guy is doing something wrong, if you're mm-hmm. looking on the phone, you have trust issues. So either, you know, you've been cheated on a lot in the past, you're, you have abandonment issues from your parents, whatever it is, that needs to be dealt with before you can be in a relationship where trust and Literally. honesty happens and probably before you can actually even um, choose a partner that's trustworthy. Yeah. So we have all these other things that come into play, like our physical needs and wants that come from underlying sources like our hormones and whatnot that mm-hmm, drive us mm-hmm. into relationships before we, we are really mentally ready, you know, and it is what it is. So we got to go work through it, learn as you can and hopefully, you know, not make as little regrets as possible and, and take as much from each relationship, you know, take as much value as you can out of each lesson you learn yeah. along the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was on that note of hormones. Um, I was going to mention that what's interesting to me is that now that I've been tracking my hormonal cycles for years, I can see where I become the most insecure, like at what times mm-hmm. of the month my ego rears its ugly head most ferociously. So I can mm-hmm. basically predict when I'm most likely to get jealous or be needy and when I'm you know, going to most likely allow my ego to overcome me. It's kind of mm. cool. The puzzle of yeah. how to manage all of my parts and personalities in a relationship is still unsolved, however. <laughs> um, but I feel like I'm getting I'm getting a little closer, little by little. So, so, when we talk to Whitney today, I'm excited to see what she has to say on the matter, since it seems she's really taking this, this whole ego jealousy thing on head-to-head in deciding to be in an open relationship yeah still don't know if it's something i could ever do i can't even fathom it it's mind-boggling to me so because of that it's super intriguing so um yeah i'm excited to pick her brain on on all that so without further ado let me introduce today's guest someone who pulls off short hair so much that she constantly makes us want to cut her own my charisma and booty goals the sexiest wake surfer i know a Burning Man veteran, an avid traveler, an ayahuasca and huachuma drinker, a knife-throwing, Harley-riding, jiu-jitsu queen and boxer, the on-it first lady and former Miss USA, the host of Glory Kickboxing, a very vulnerable and honest woman that I'm so lucky to know. Please welcome Whitney Miller. Wow, what an <laughs> intro, you guys. Yay, that was amazing. Yeah. Yay. We're so so to have you on. Huh. Oh, too much pressure. Um, so what we were actually, before you jumped on the call, we were discussing jealousy. Um, and I know you and Aubrey are in an open relationship. Jade and I both agree that jealousy is a learned emotion. But tell us how you have managed to reframe how you feel about jealousy and how you maintain your peace when it comes up again. Ooh, yeah. Jealousy is a good one because I feel like it's something that we all experience. And honestly, for me, I was the most jealous girlfriend ever in my past. Like I was the one that was going through your phone and like you couldn't look at another person because 
why would you want to? And it was all <laughs> like, it was so crazy. Um, but I was also like fairly unhappy because I was doing shit behind their back too. Like I wasn't being honest and I wasn't being authentic to how I actually felt. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want them doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was definitely a disconnect there. And so I think it's just, you know, going through a whole kind of the journey of an open relationship brings up all of your insecurities. Like it highlights every crack in the foundation. And when you feel something like jealousy come, come up, realizing that you don't have to, you don't have to go down that rabbit hole of mm-hmm. like just death, you know, cause it can take you so, so far and then realizing, okay, why am I jealous? Am I, am I afraid he's going to leave me? Do I have abandonment issues? Do I have self-worth issues? Do I have self-love issues? Like realizing that underneath jealousy, there's all of these other layers that you can dive into and get to know yourself a lot easier. And so when you, when you reframe it in your mind like that, oh, okay, what can this emotion teach me and why am I feeling this way instead of, oh, I'm just pissed and jealous because he's talking to another girl. Yeah. It's you're learning more about yourself in that moment. Mm-hmm. I guess it's hard in a closed relationship if you feel like there is, you know, something shady going on, especially if you've been cheated on a lot in the past to be able to do that and control that emotion, because there's also like that fear of being hurt as mm-hmm. well, you know, but um, yeah, I, I, know, I, I know. was go ahead. No, go. You're fine. I was wondering so for me, I noticed that I get more jealous or like have the tendency to want to go through um, my husband's phone or my past lover's phone or whatever it is, you know, uh, during certain times of the month. So like hormonally, I can be triggered as far as my neediness goes. Um, I can be triggered as far as like whatever abandonment issues I have in the past getting brought up to the surface. It's like mm-hmm. it turns on certain times of the month. Do you find that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, I can tell when my period's about to come because I'm <laughs> easily triggered. Like, I just, I know that it's coming. So it's already just a little more added pressure is basically what it is. So you yeah. do have to be aware of that. And, and that's something that I'll mention to Ab. I'm like, you know, I, I feel like my period's coming. I'm just feeling like emotional <laughs> and this shit sucks, you know, <laughs> but like, we're still, we've had so much practice that at least getting that out, out mm-hmm. in the forefront and being like, yes, okay. I am feeling this way because my hormones are a little bit, bit out of whack. So sorry if I'm being a little right. more yeah. agitated or emotional or whatever, it's just like putting everything out there and setting the scene for it. And then you can work yeah. through it. I think men aren't as, um, understanding of that in the beginning. And then after a lot of Wow, this is really true. This experience, really, yeah, yeah. Then they're kind of like they know, um, yeah, yeah. And I, for me though, it's when I've lacked sleep. That's when mm. I'm super needy and emotional. I don't it, hormones go into play for me, but more than anything, it's sleep and being a new mom. That it's just a yeah. Shame. You probably don't get much sure sleep. Going to no. happen. Um, I mean, your physical state dictates how you act in every part of the day in your relationships with friends, with lovers, with whatever it is. So I think also realizing being in the best place possible is going to help with the process. Yeah. Yeah. So where you're at in your open relationship, how do you cultivate an environment where you do feel vulnerable and safe? It's a constant, I mean, it's a constant thing. First and foremost is communication because Mm -hmm. everything has to be out on the table because everything between us is permitted. So if it's permitted, if there's any sort of like withhold 
or omission or shading of the truth or a little white light here. And that becomes so much bigger because mm-hmm. it's not communicated in a 100 percent honest type of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that your your other partners feel vulnerable and safe in the relationship or, or do they seem um, not as like comfortable with it at first? I think it's definitely a learning process. You know, um, I haven't had too many relationships that have been a long term type of thing to where there's been that depth, um, whereas Aubrey has. That's something that that's how his kind of relationships go. Um, recently, I found somebody and now it's kind of like we 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 are getting to that point of being like, how are you feeling about this? You know, mm-hmm. at first he was like, absolutely not. I don't want to do it. And then he realized all the benefits and the positivity that can come from it. And we've talked about that. And so once again, it's 100% open communication with everybody involved. That's the only way that it makes it smooth and the only way that it'll work. So Mm -hmm. how do you introduce the other partners into this situation? Like, how does that, how do you bring it up? How does it start? Um, It just kind of like depends situation to situation. You know, we're so open. Yeah, we're so open about our open relationship that most people already know. Um, But if I meet somebody, then it's like, Hey, just so you know, I I am engaged, but we're in an open relationship and I'm allowed to like explore the people and enjoy and express and, and whatever else. And so do you just laying it out there? Do you find that people are often like uncomfortable with that or they just won't go there or how do they, you know, like I'm just trying to, this is so interesting to me because it's just like, I am for me, it's not like there when men told me that I thought they were lying to me and just wanted to yeah. cheat on their partner, you know, but with y'all, it's different <laughs> yeah. because y'all are y'all are open about that to the mm-hmm. public. So it's like they have we the, know. the evidence. But with right. me, I was always like, you're, you're lying. Just, yeah, yeah you just well, lying. usually it's like, oh, you know, don't ask. It's a don't ask, don't tell policy. Yeah. But exactly. Yeah. So your wife has no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Basically, <laughs> until she goes to your phone and catches right. you, and then it's like <laughs> that thing. Whereas with us, it's it is very very open, and most of the time, actually, every single time we've been with somebody else, it's Aubrey meets them, or I meet them, or yeah. you know, some of my best friends. The first girl that Aubrey started seeing when we started to do this open relationship is now my best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people think that's just so crazy, but it's like we went through all of the shit. We had to have those hard conversations that you don't yeah. want to have. We had to be vulnerable. We had to be open. We saw each other at our worst and saw each other at our best. And so it's like, of course, we're going to be friends now, you know, yeah. and they don't, see, they don't, I guess they do. They went through a period of not seeing each other and now they see each other again. And so it's kind of been like an ebb and flow of the relationship and, mm because me and her are so close, it actually helps things along. It makes it more fluid and and smooth. I guess one of the reasons why it's so mind boggling to me is because it's something that I never feel like I'm able to do. And it's not even about, I don't know if it's jealousy or if it's ego or, um, I don't know. So it is really mind boggling to me. And I know, um, something I talked to Kyle about is I was like, and I don't know if this is something y'all do regularly, but I notice people that, microdose on LSD regularly are more into the open relationships. And I know that it came out in the seventies, um, that big, the big, um, like open relationship and free love, all that freedom came out in the seventies when people were doing LSD a lot. So I was wondering if it changes something in your brain that makes you a little, you know, less egotistical, like, yeah, it helps you set aside your, your inner being from the ego. 
something. Of yeah, sort. for sure. You know, I don't really microdose LSD all that often. I've only done it a few times and every time I've done it, it's been great. Um, for us. And I, I think for both of us, it's the fact of just psychedelic medicine in general allows you to look at your shit and it does show you, you know, this is your ego and this is your ego being, you know, triggered and why it's triggered because, you know, it wants to be this big thing that controls your life and blah, blah, blah. And so it really does allow you to separate who like your higher self from your small self. And so if you want to be in your small self, then you're going to be triggered and you're going to be jealous and your ego is going to yell and be like, look at me. And if you're coming from it, from your higher self, then it's like, oh shit, all is love. Like your pleasure is my pleasure. If you're happy, that's, that should make me happy. Like I should not be upset by somebody that I love smiling or having a good time or hugging somebody, you know, (laughs) that's the important part is, you know, make sure you want the other person to experience as much love as possible and it's you know one thing that we say is like think about it as your best friend right if you're talking to one of your best friends and they're out and they met somebody and they had a really great time and blah 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 you're you're pumped for them like great Mm -hmm. that's amazing are you going to see him again what is it going to be like you know what do you think but if that happens with our partner then all of a sudden it's like oh hell no you're not when really it's all love like just allow that person to fully express and and fully enjoy life. Right. Yeah. We rarely treat our partners like our best friends. And we're, a lot of us are so different with our partners than we are with any of our friends. Mm -hmm. They would describe us as a little bit different, you know, but, um, so is plant medicine what, cause I know in the beginning you weren't, um, as well, like wanting to do the open relationship. And then, um, you decided to, was it plant medicine that caused that transition I mean, I think it was multiple things that caused that transition. Really, for me, it was, no, I don't think it was plant medicine. I think it's that's helped, for mm-hmm. sure. That's been definitely, like, an aid for both of us. But this is something that, you know, he wanted to do, and we had read multiple books, and we had talked about it on, like, a philosophical, intellectual level. And then he was ready to put it into practice, and I was like, nope, not going to do it. We're, we're done. So we split up and moved out of the house. And I went on... I first started what was supposed to be a month long trip backpacking trip to Peru. And I did watch Huma there for the first time. Hmm. Um, and then I went on a, it turned into three months. So I took the furthest track flight that I could get out of Lima. I landed in Madrid. I did Madrid and Barcelona. I went to Thailand and trained Muay Thai for a month. Um, met some really great people there, went to Bali with them. And so this whole kind of like, finding myself and it was the first time I've ever traveled by myself and realizing and I had a connection with somebody there but but I was still very much so in love with Bob and I was like oh wait I can have a connection with somebody and enjoy somebody but still fully love somebody else just because I'm like enjoying somebody doesn't mean it takes my love away from Aubrey and so when I got home, he was like, I still really want to be with you. And I was like, great. I still really want to be with you, but we're going to do it under this kind of new open relationship container. And that's kind of how it started. Mm. Yeah, that's so crazy. It's so cool that you share this story with, you know, you're so open with it because I think it's something people, of course, think about when they're in relationships. It's very natural for humans to wonder, right? Especially if their mm-hmm. needs aren't met. Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I guess it leads me to also the question, or maybe just you can give a rundown on how you practice like being safe um, as far as like STDs and that type of thing go in an open relationship. Because I think people who are interested or intrigued on, on the whole open relationship thing, it's important to know. Sure. And I think that's what that to me is actually really funny that people go to that. What about STDs? It's like, (laughs) what? I am way safer now than I've Mm -hmm. been ever in my entire life because it's you're for us. It's everybody has to get tested and you have to show your papers. When do you ever do that when you're single and you're going to hook up with somebody or it's like, (laughs) you know, like, I don't, I mean, I've definitely gotten tested. I've had somebody else get tested, but I've never been like, okay, great. I think it would be awesome for us to hook up. However, I need you to get it tested and you need to show me your papers. Otherwise we're 1000% using a condom and there's no other way that it's going to go. Otherwise we're just not gonna have sex, you know? And so for me, it's, we're just, that's how it is. It's very safe. It's open. Papers are shown. Everybody knows the deal. And that's that. Is there any, I guess, I don't know, for me, I'd be like nervous about the people that you're in other outside relationships with who also, you know, are open to being with other people as well. Like anything becoming, I mean, I guess anything's possible in any relationship ever. Mm-hmm. So there's right. risks you run. But yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, there's always a risk, but that's also the thing is you have to trust yourself and, mm-hmm. and trust the other person and, and really know that if you're getting into some sort of, sexual relationship with somebody you should be able to trust them yeah you know of course there's always something that could come up but um you should be able to trust that person and you know for us it's like okay if you are with somebody else and you don't use protection then you have to get tested yeah before we're together Mm -hmm. it's good practice yeah um so if i one day came to you and it was like, I want to, you know, I want to close our relationship. I want to become closed. Is that something that at this point you would want to do? Are you enjoying this the way it is? No, I'm totally enjoying it. (laughs) It's fun. (laughs) You know what I mean? I get the best of both worlds. I have like the man Um, that I love so, so much. And I still get to go and explore and have fun and get those butterflies that maybe aren't here in a seven year relationship. And it's, you know, it's just different layers and levels of a relationship that if you're monogamous, you don't get to fully experience. And I don't, I don't have to wonder about it. I get to experience it on my own. Yeah. But the other thing is, is, you know, the container, the boundaries and the agreements and the container of the relationship is malleable. It can change. It's fluid. It's Mm -hmm. just because we're open today doesn't mean we're going to be open 100% the same way for the rest of our life. You know, it's like, great. If we're open now and it's working for us and that feels good, let's do that. Now down the road, if one thing that comes up, if I, when I get pregnant, how are my emotions going to be? How are my hormones going to be? Am I, you know, I'm going to feel kind of awkward in my body. Is that a moment or a time period to where we close the relationship for a little while? You know? So it's, it's really just figuring out what works best for us in the moment and, and dictating and kind of changing our agreements to fit that. Yeah. Yeah. That I didn't even think about the pregnancy thing. That would definitely change things. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that either. I did think about like, well, you know, once you have kids, it's like it's probably a lot harder to like dedicate time to family and, you know, outside as well. But mm-hmm. that's a good point. Um, Before you go on, Jade, um, uh-huh. I was going to ask about the 
so being in a in a really solid relationship with Aubrey for all these years now is having outside relationships something that brings up like a freshness over and over again or like is it this competitive nature that comes out or what is the things that kind of relights the fire over and over that comes from having an open relationship yeah it's you know it's kind of the fact that you can't really get complacent in your relationship Mm -hmm. you know because you want to keep the spark there and the spark stays because you get to experience other people and and have fun doing that. Yeah. But then at the same time, you get to come home and you're like, yay, here I am at home and I'm back. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's like if you go on a trip for a while, you're excited to come home. But if you're living in the same house constantly and working together and sleeping together and doing everything, at some point you're like, man, can you just leave me alone for a minute? <laughs> you know, I think that's just kind of like human nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would think also it would almost make less conflict in a way because you're kind of getting your, like, energy out, you know what I mean? Like, in other ways than just, like, all focus on one person almost, too. Sure. I mean, definitely not less conflict. I mean, (laughs) I'll tell you that much. It's been one hell of a ride, and it's constantly bringing up stuff because it brings up your core shit. Like, you can't hide. Mm -hmm. You can't distract yourself, which is something we recently been talking about it's like always it brings something up for you so you have to go in and look at it whereas Mm. if you're in a monogamous relationship not all monogamous relationships by any means but if you're in some sort of relationship to where you can kind of like oh you know what we just don't really need to talk about that or we don't need to go down that road we don't need to Mm. do this you know so it's still going to have its own um challenges but i mean open is hard as hell And I, it's not even something that I recommend for everybody by any means. I think some people should be monogamous and some people should be an open, but be aware of how difficult it actually is Mm -hmm. getting into an open relationship, but also aware that it can be incredibly freeing. Hmm. So, um, I'm doing my 10th plant plant medicine ceremony, uh, in three weeks. And I know that looking back, it's hard to choose just one that like stands out and, you know, influenced you the most because they're also transformational but if you had to choose just one to share with us and our listeners what would it be um for me it would i wachuma for me is a huge heart opener. Huh? yeah a huge heart opener and it's the like grandfather wisdom and so i you know had my headphones on one day and i listened to this song as i was going out you, you go out on the amazon and it's kind of like about a 12 to 14 hour trip Mm -hmm. and I was listening to one song and when we came back that same night you know eight hours later or whatever I heard the same song again and I I remember saying to myself oh I remember when you listened to that song when you were a little girl and this was referring to myself eight hours before so it was Mm -hmm. living and they say you live a lifetime in a single day and that's exactly what happened and it was just like it takes your fear away it took my fear away and it just exploded loaded my heart and that like one moment always sticks out to me and one another one that's huge for actually Aubrey and I we were going through a really difficult time I think we're I think we were actually split up and we were in Peru together with a big group and we were at a beach on the second Wachuma day and we were both under the medicine and we it was basically a realization of like Oh my God, like this, what are, what are we doing? You know, like this, we have, we're, we've built up so much of our resentments and our, our armor and things that scared us and 
all of these things of why we couldn't do this and wanted to push each other away. And then that relaxed all of that because you just, you're not even really able to live in, in those lower, you know, vibrations when yeah. you're on plant medicine like that. So it allowed us to see each other with completely fresh eyes and like, com- like totally revamp our relationship. Wow. I've never, yeah, I've never done it before, but I'm very intrigued. Um, how would you say plant medicine has, has benefited your life most? And what would you say to those like me who are intrigued, but haven't got to the point yet of trying it yet? Well, for you guys, it's, you know, when you're fully called to do it, go like, that's when you should do it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let anyone else draw you into it. Cause you really won't be able to relax into the experience and you won't get what, what was meant for you. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people do psychedelics like ayahuasca and Wachuma and they don't have a single vision, mm. you know? So it's really when you're ready to go and when you're ready to release and surrender and just have no expectations and let the medicine take you, that's the best time to go. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of goes for anything, but, um, for me, it's been, it's been really helpful. I, before I met Aubrey, I was, I was basically like a steel trap. Like nobody could penetrate my anything. I was just, I hadn't cried in like five years or something. It was, what made you that way? I think it was, you know, for me, it was, I grew up, um, being told like crime's not going to do anything for you. Why are you crying? I was like, you're kind of right. Crying isn't helping the situation at all. So I'm just not going to cry and I'm going to, do everything that I should do and no one can hurt me and no one can do this and that, you know, I was just like, so, so like armored from my, you know, childhood. And I think it mainly was, you know, me and my dad are super close now, but it was like growing up with a single father. He raised me from the time I was four or when I was in fourth grade up through high school and college. And he was, you know, single father, very hardworking, um, but there are multiple women that kept coming into my life and trying to dictate how I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to do. And so I was like, hell no, I'm not going to do that. So I wouldn't listen to anybody. It was really difficult for me to have relationships with females because I didn't trust any of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was just a steel trap Mm -hmm. basically. Um, and then I was in a really bad relationship in college and that just enforced it, you know? And so, when I met Aubrey, it was, I, I am a 1000% completely different person today than I was, you know, seven years ago yeah. um, when I met him. And I think the first thing is we did a cleanse together and that was the first kind of like opening of this whole new world. And then we did psychedelics and it's, it's giving me the opportunity to shed that armor and shed those fears and see where the fears come from. And, and it's just been so freeing. Mm-hmm. What kind of cleanse did you do to start out? We did a seven day liver and gallbladder cleanse. So it's just juice and smoothies for, I think it was seven days in Sedona, but it was also paired with, um, ecstatic dance and holotropic breathing and body work. And it was like beyond powerful and stuff you had never experienced before that. Right. So I, yeah, I was like, sweet, I'm going to go and drink some juice and lose some pounds. I know. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> Yay. And then it was just this whole like mind blowing transformational experience that I couldn't even 
to this day, it's one of my most transformational experiences that I've had in my entire life, even including the psychedelics. Yeah, I love that you that that's, uh, you know, something you got to do that was just you. It wasn't necessarily, you know, having a a plant medicine or something that Mm -hmm. kind of forces that awakening. It was you finding a little piece of yourself you lost. Right. And that's the thing. You can um, you can still reach these higher realms and these higher vibrations without, you know, taking an external substance. There's so much that you can do with just your breath, with dance, with meditation, with yoga, with with nothing else other than you and yourself. I think it's funny how um, close you feel to your partner when you do a cleanse together. Like uh, it's always I feel like to me, there's always a lot more humor added to the relationship. Maybe, I don't know uh, if it's because you're a little bit more present because there's no other like distractions and substances and then um, you're being cleansed out. Um, so Yeah, I, you're like pooing right next to each other. So there's like a <laughs> yeah. lot of humor. So I love that. Um, and then I love ecstatic dance because sometimes for me, it's like a miniature ceremony without any medicine. You know, it's very freeing. But I actually, when I do Huachuma, it's at a ecstatic dance so we're like it's together and it is it's always so aligning um i don't know if you see this uh picture right there at the very top of that woman with like her heart going into her oh yeah yeah the first time i love it yeah the first time i did huachuma um during a dance ceremony um my neck like my neck was all the way back like I was I was thinking like oh my god everyone's gonna come over here and like (laughs) be worried about me because my it was like the back of my head was connected to my back like it was so far back it was hurting and I couldn't pull it forward (laughs) if I wanted to and my my heart was like on fire and it was my they were merging and I hadn't seen that photo yet so they were like merging and I was in I don't know why in my um your throat and heart or what the, yeah, the okay. chakras. But my throat, I noticed first. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be speaking my truth from now on, like <laughs> thinking that I was getting this power. And then uh, Huachuma was like real gentle, like laughing, like, no. And then my heart <laughs> caught on fire and aligned. And it was like, no, you're going to speak in love. Um, and that was really, uh, when it comes to Huachuma, that was, it just felt so aligning my, my chakras. And, um, then I, I like spent time with the moon and we were like dancing in the labyrinth and it was just, it was so beautiful. Um, and I have another one of those at the end of November. So I'm super exciting. Cause there's always, like you said, it's like grandfather wisdom. There's always something that I really, um, you know, it's not like a, it's a lot of homework, but there's always some like really strong wisdom dropped where I'm like, uh, okay, this is, this is where I need to change how I deal with this. Do you ever um, feel yeah. ready for it? Like, going into no, a ceremony. No, I'm always scared the day of. Like I said, it's my 10th one in a couple of weeks and I'm and I even a couple of days ago I was like, "Oh man, that's really soon." Like What about you, Whitney? Oh, I, I always get butterflies. Yeah. For for every ceremony. <laughs> even I like know. a static dance, you know, sometimes I still have resistance to doing something like that, yeah. even though it's just dancing around not worrying about anything else because it is like a ceremony. It's going to bring up your shit. You got to be, you're coming into a vulnerability. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. I've only had one dark ceremony. Um, and it did take me like a couple months to get over. Um, yeah, I couldn't be alone for a couple days. It was really, really dark. But even now when I look back, I'm not going to say I'm glad it happened because it was so hard, but I at least got something from it. Like I at least Mm -hmm. had a takeaway. You You survived Mm -hmm. it too, which is something. Yeah. Um, so what is your biggest struggle currently and how are you using that to grow? Well, for me, it's, you know, I'm 
transitioning, and I actually talked to Paul Selig about this, is mm-hmm. and, and what he told me is I'm in this transition from a girl to the capital W woman. And that's kind of like what I've been trying to do. And so really using my voice, because for me, like we talked about a little bit earlier, I'm good at distraction. Because I can be like, oh, there's that, but I'm gonna go over here because this is so much better, you know? And I can just distract, distract, distract. Um, So it's like really speaking my voice, like you were saying, and Mm -hmm. and speaking it honestly and not being afraid of, of who's gonna think about it or what they're gonna think and, like fully embodying that and and moving into capital W woman and being yeah. that. What was his uh, like nugget of truth for you when you talked to him about that? Um, so we only got one question and I, mm. I basically asked him, is, you know, is there anything that's keeping me from living my truth? And um, he Basically, he was just like, you're in this transition period to where it is kind of uncomfortable coming into this womanhood and how big it can be. But you kind of like it mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of fun for you. But it, he also said it was funny. He's like, it's almost like you're going to walk. You see yourself and you have like the best outfit and you walk into a party and then you slide and slip on your ass. And I was like, damn. And that's kind of how I've been feeling recently. Like, I felt like I had all of this truth and I was like living my truth and I was speaking my truth and I had, you know, things figured out. And then it'd be like, crash and burn. You don't know shit. And then I'd be like, okay, we can maybe try to do it again. It's like, crash and burn. You don't know anything. And so I feel like that's just the cycle of life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's also, particularly for me, not judging myself when I do fall and when I do fail or when I do hurt people, cause I have a strong inner critic that will just like beat me up for mm. any little thing that I've done wrong. And then I'm not moving past it. I'm not healing it. I'm just constantly stuck there being like, well, you suck and you should have known better and you're stupid and blah, 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 blah. So for me, that's actually probably my biggest struggle at this current moment is not judging myself as much and, and having compassion for myself. And then, looking at it and being curious as to why that happened and then being able to heal and move on. Yeah. How, so you've, you're learning to like quiet that self. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Heather Ashamara on, she wrote a book with Don Miguel Ruiz that's coming out, um, mm-hmm. at the end of this month. So she, um, two things I love about her is, uh, she's taught me to just say like, oops, you know, like when I mess up instead of beating myself up, um, But one thing that I really did learn from her a lot is is speaking your truth. She says, if you look at any of the conflict in your life or any resentment you have, it probably started from you not speaking your truth. And that's really that really hit home for me. So that helps me to, you know, use my voice like you were saying. Yeah. Um, And I was just going to note for anyone listening since you brought up Paul Selig, he's someone who we also interviewed on um, this podcast who channels spirit guides and is a medium for the living. So your experience there is super interesting. You guys can go back yeah, and listen and to Yeah, and if him. you don't know, just go click on that yeah. episode. <laughs> You'll yeah. find out all you need to know <laughs> on that episode. Um, so y- you obviously have to have confidence and vulnerability in order to do all the things that we've talked about this far um how do you 
go about cultivating those two things in yourself? You know, for me, vulnerability has always been kind of difficult. Um, but it's as soon as I feel some sort of like constriction in my heart or like there's some sort of fear that's keeping me from doing it, that's I use that as like an arrow being like, mm, that's exactly where you need to go. Then mm-hmm. if you're afraid of mentioning this to somebody, then you need to go like it's just a con practice and and not really having leniency in that anymore i used to have a whole lot of leniency oh y'all look at that later you know you don't have to do it right now or now is not the best time and i think you know through this relationship it's also helped with that it's there's not a better time other than right now like if it's on your mind you need to discuss it now and just using that and then confidence comes from the proof that you can do that. So when you're constantly showing yourself over and over and over again, okay, I got it and I can do it. I can push through the fear. Then your confidence ultimately rises anyway. It's like Mm -hmm. you're creating competence over confidence in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I like what you say about, um, the vulnerability, like what I I like to, I've been quoted on this podcast now several times saying, seek the pain for positive gain or positive change. So basically going into those hard places, those painful places and knowing you're going to have to go through some shit, but it's, you know, on the other side is going to be that bluer sky, that better, Mm -hmm. better life. Absolutely. No doubt. Love it. So, um, we talked a little bit about your traveling the world on your own and Mm -hmm. going off for months at a time. Tell me a good story, like a story you really just comes to mind. It doesn't have to be, you know, necessarily all positive, but a, a, just a great story you have from your travels alone as a young, beautiful woman on the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one that comes to mind was I was in, man, there's so many, but I was in Costa Rica and I really like to stay in youth hostels when I travel by myself, which mm-hmm. people think is like crazy because. I love my, you know, expensive things and I love a nice hotel room and sweet and Gucci bag. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, okay, I'm going to stay in a $10 a night youth hostel because that's what I do. And, you know, I've been doing this all the time. And I think when I do that, I get to meet so many like-minded people and so many people I would have never entered in conversation with. I would have never crossed paths with at all. And it's just so fun to be able to do that. So I was in Costa Rica and I was going to Nicaragua and, me being me, I was like, you know, I'm going to walk across the border (laughs) instead of fly there or get a car or something because it was, I don't, because I was, I knew I was going to have some sort of story. And so I go and people are like, you for sure shouldn't do that. It's (laughs) not, it's like, it's not really that safe. I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine, whatever. And so I go and it's just, it's mayhem at this border. And people are like, you're like grabbing your bags and like trying to take the, there's machine guns everywhere. And you go and like, you get your, you have your passport and people it's in this like cement block where the walls are blown out. And it's like just a small desk and there's like chickens. It's just mayhem. And to get through the, get through the, um, other side of the border, you have to like go through a chain linked fence. That's just like cut out. But it was just like that's mm. to me. I was like, I cannot believe that I did that. It was such a bad idea, but a memory that lasts forever. So I'm glad that I did it. Um, and then another one, you know, for me, traveling by myself is such good medicine. 
like mm-hmm. huge medicine. Um, and it, back in Costa Rica, cause I like to surf. So anywhere I go, I want, I usually like people to speak Spanish so I can practice that and I can surf. And I just recently, a few months ago went by myself. Um, I didn't stay in a youth hostel this time, but I didn't take my phone and I was there for one week and just completely disconnected and any, you know, sat with my thoughts for a full week surfed. And when I came home, I was just like beaming and so free and so fresh and just like so inspired to get back home and get back to work and, and, you know, share the lessons that I learned. And it's just, it's huge medicine. Yeah. entirely. Mm. I love that. I've, I've backpacked 25 countries on my own staying in hostels. Some of them didn't even have running water. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've, I've done a couple with my partner, but definitely when I backpacked Southeast Asia by myself, it was the happiest I have ever been in my entire life. Like I, it, it was such medicine. And a couple months prior to that, I was actually so down on life that I didn't want to live anymore. Just like five months prior to, um, to being in Pai, Thailand, I, was literally at the point of contemplating suicide. And then in, in Pai, I had never felt such peace and happiness. And so I had a little monk tattoo the word uh, smile on my back and tie writing oh. inside a temple and bless it. Because it was just a reminder that a smile is always around the corner. You know, mm-hmm. like had I given up, I wouldn't have experienced this. Um, and then there's a lot of, I have a lot of stories in Africa too, that like yours, where I was like, I can't believe I fucking did that. Like, I can't believe yeah. I got on that motorcycle with that stranger. Like, I could have died. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, so I love I love that story. The both of those stories that you shared. I don't have anything as gnarly. I mean, I went to Petra last year and like we drove through the Jordanian desert for 7 hours to get there and stayed in like a little tent camp out in the desert, but it was with my husband, so I wasn't really, you know, it wasn't like alone with strangers <laughs> like, yeah. there's this one story that I remember now that I was um at a house I was there with my ex-boyfriend at the time this was years ago and we were at this beautiful house that was overlooking this cove and it was all glass and it was just epic and we had like a whole group but I wasn't feeling well and so they all went out and I stayed at the house and all of a sudden the alarm goes off and this alarm is like a bank alarm. It is so loud and I'm just freaking out. Like, I don't know what's about to happen. I'm trying to call the guy, whoever owns the house and they're all out at the bar and he's not answering. And I'm like, I'm about to die. Like I, it's all over from here. So then I go into the bathroom and I get my, like my, my makeup brushes and I put them in between my fingers just in case somebody has to come in there and I was going to fucking kill them. With my makeup brushes. Oh and I just God. had all of these ideas of what was going to happen. And finally, the guy answers and they get back to the house and, and they're like looking around. They don't see anything. They watch the cameras and it was a monkey that set oh. the alarm off. Oh my God. And I'm like bawling, crying. Like, you don't understand. Oh my God. <laughs> the alarm worked. I, I was guess. about to kill a monkey yeah. with my makeup brush. Yeah. yeah. So I am. Yeah. On all these travels, have you met any psychos though or like attracted any weird stuff that came back with you? No, I don't think so. I don't think I've met any like super weirdos. I've met some really dope people who I'm still great friends with, actually. Like, you know, I met an Australian girl and her boyfriend in Thailand, and I went to Bali with them. And now we, and they live in Australia, but now we see each other every two years. They come to Austin. They just left Austin. And, um, 
I, I meet some of the most interesting people. It's so cool. Yeah. One time um, I abseiled down the Sippy Falls in Uganda. There are like three waterfalls right next to each other. And when I got to the bottom, I camped at the bottom, not thinking that anything bad could happen. It was like in the jungle, but I knew there were like witch doctors that people were afraid of. But I just, I don't know. I just didn't yeah. think anything what bad, bad could, happen. could happen in the Ugandan jungle. Yeah. So it was just yeah. me, me, a book. And this was before iPhones. Like this was like. Maybe there were iPhones, but I couldn't afford one at the time. So I had no, like, internet signal. I just had, well, I wouldn't have anyways, but I just had me, a book, and a lantern inside this tent. And I remember after the sun going down, just hearing these weird noises around my tent and just, like, kind of just trying to be into my book and not get worried. Well, then they were getting louder and louder as the sun got darker, and I realized they were hyenas, like just circling my tent and I was so Um, terrified that this is so so silly but I was so terrified that I wrote letters to my family to say goodbye (laughs) oh my god I wrote a letter to my mom and my sister and I think my like the guy I liked at the time and to my birth dad and my cousin a lot of soul searching I still have those letters actually (laughs) wow you should send him like a preface this is when I thought I was gonna die in this tent in Uganda I thought hyenas were gonna eat me I'll give this to you anyhow I survived (laughs) wow that would have freaked me out yeah I feel like I just would have gone I would just gone crazy like, ah, yeah, like hitting the tent and stuff. I don't know. I don't know if that's a pants. good or a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to try. I tried to stay. Luckily, I didn't have any food with me for them to smell. Smell, but I tried to stay as quiet as possible. Um, mm. and, and also, then, what is abseiling? Is that what you called it? Abseiling is when there's a, a rope attached to um, the very top, and you're like going down the rope. Oh, like okay. it's a huge long rope and you're just going down Climbing but down. right next to the waterfall to where you're like wet from Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Wow, very cool. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Was there other people um, there? Uh there was no one else there besides the one guy that like connects your rope to the thing. Okay. Just the And then he, you just... his name was his name was Moses and he carried a long stick. <laughs> and I remember before we were gonna ask Yes, he did. I know. Is this in the <laughs> book of we were, is this in the book of Jade? I know. Yeah. I know. Well, before we were going to abseil, because I was so lost and I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't figure it out. And he was like, come with me. And he was just walking with the stick. And I was like, oh, I hope this is a good idea. And then he tied, tied me to that thing and I abseiled down. It was great. Besides the near death. Wow. Feeling. Yeah, yeah. I was being eaten by hyenas. Yeah. And I feel better um, about, I feel better about Whitney traveling. Cause I know you're, you practice MMA for a long time, right? So at uh-huh. least you traveling alone. But Jade, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. For me, I'm like, where's my pen and paper? Yeah. I've got notes to write. <laughs> Literally. Um. <laughs> All right. So, so there's a few questions we like to ask everyone who comes on the show. First off, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Um, probably same lessons that I'm learning today is just to be more vulnerable and not take anything too seriously. Stop judging yourself so much. Mm. Like every, this whole process is, is beautiful, right? So every challenge that comes up or any, um, if you hurt somebody, if they hurt you, it's just don't judge the situation and just realize that there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's so much that can be learned. See it as a gift and not as a curse. Something I like to remind myself too is like, in five years, will this matter? You know, or on my deathbed, is this something I'll even give two seconds to? Which yeah, is so likely it's no. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's true. Yeah. Um, so the next question is, if you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Ooh. Oh, my God. Well, I actually just finished reading my favorite two books. That And they're by um, Ted Decker, who's a really good friend of ours. The first one's called The 49th Mystic, and the second one's actually right here in mm. front of me. He rise of the mystics. I have that in so my um, cart on Amazon because Kyle told me about it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's big. I didn't realize it was that thick. <laughs> yeah, this one's. Have you read the 49th? The 49th is the first book, so you got to read that first, and then yeah. this is the second one. It's so good. Really? Mm-hmm. Is this That's the same a, yeah. person who wrote the Forty Eight Laws of, or what is it? No. Oh, okay. No. Ted Decker is actually like a Christian author. Okay. Um, but he takes like such a beautiful. How would you explain? It? I don't even know how to explain it. But he just takes like such a beautiful stance on. I don't know. Just read it. You'll love it. <laughs> it's, it's just the story that you get sucked into, and you're like on this journey of self-realization and challenge and being able to fully understand like the upper worlds and the high vibrations and how everything mm. is connected but it's also this like thrilling story so you're sucked in the whole time yeah that sounds amazing yeah there's so many beautiful like nuggets in there like i i've highlighted so much of this book and taken so many notes and it, i feel like it's really helped me along this journey with like a transformation because i can see a lot of myself in the main character and i feel like mm. That's that's how a lot of people can relate to it. Yeah, I feel cool. like, that's so different from what everyone else has said. So I like that answer. I was gonna say, yeah. I feel like see, for me, I like so I really like conscious reading mm-hmm. and like having the. I, I love all of like the mastery of love and you know like you're saying the forty eight forty nine forty eight laws of power. And, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Um. Those books are amazing and great, and I've gained so much for them. Uh, but for me, having a story behind it allows me to play along and and bring it more into my life. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to integrate sometimes when it's a yeah. story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I was talking about this last night with Chris that every time I read an amazing book, I'm like, oh my god, this is changing my life. It, you know, I send it to all my friends. It's groundbreaking, and then integrating it into my life and and you know using it as my practice that's the part that's hard and you try to read it over and over again and you sometimes just like eh, you get on to the next yeah. thing on to the next thing so that's the hardest thing for me is like figuring out how to integrate these amazing new tools that i'm learning into my exactly. actual life yeah have you the other one i like is the celestine prophecy it's another really oh. great story oh, I love heard that, of that one, one. I haven't heard of that one. It's so good, Jade. You would love it. Um, It's a story, and I mean, it's along the lines of everything we're talking about here, but uh, I I got the movie. No, it's terrible. What? I didn't even know there was a movie. Yeah, exactly. That's because it never made any noise. That's almost always the the case. Um, So, one more question. Uh, If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? I love you. I love you. Oh, that's sweet. I like that. That's simple they, and sweet. Yeah. Um, so we do have um, from our magic mob, which is our tribe of listeners. We do have two questions that they came up with for you. One was, you seem so calm tempered. Is there anyone you've met since you and Ab do so many cool interviews and experiences that has caused you to feel starstruck? Um, hmm. Good question. That is a good question. 
I feel like I was starstruck kind of recently, but somebody that was, oh, you know who it was? It was um, NQ. He's mm, the he's on spoken my, word he's on poet. My, look, right here. His name is right here on my dream yes. guest list for the show. <laughs> I used to listen to so much of his stuff. And then I met him and was like, oh, my God, <laughs> Wait, it is in cute. Um, and now we're like and now we're like friends with him. And like, you know, he, he's done a lot of events with Aubrey and stuff. And he's he's amazing. But I would say I got kind of starstruck with that for sure. Yeah, also, if I ran into Conor McGregor, I would get starstruck. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, so the other question they had for you was being a previous Miss USA, what is your current view on the pageant industry? You know, at my, at kind of where I'm at now is I'm so far removed from the pageant industry. And it was kind of, for me, pageants was something that I just wanted to do and wanted to try. So I was, it wasn't something that I'd done my entire life and I wasn't fully um, into it. So, but for me, I think it's, you know, I, I think pageants do have some sort of a negative connotation surrounding them, but it can also be incredibly positive for a lot of girls and help with Mm -hmm. and help gain confidence, even though being judged in bikinis and whatever, but it really helps with public speaking, um, gain confidence. You meet a lot of really cool girls. And so I don't, I don't have any sort of like negative thing to say about the pageant industry. I love how the girls are becoming more fit. I think that's amazing. I love seeing the girls and they have, you know, some abs and their arms look great. And so instead of the tall, skinny, supermodel type of vibe, they they're looking for people who are out there and taking care of their body and are being healthy. And um, that makes me really happy to see. Yeah, I love love how they're starting to take a stand, too. Um, I was Miss San Antonio. I didn't go on to Miss Texas because I went through a divorce that year and all types of crazy stuff. But um, my favorite part was having a platform. And uh, one night, Valentine's Day night, this is still one of my favorite nights in life. Um, I they had me go be a guest at the Sweethearts Ball for adults with Down syndrome. And uh, this woman was probably in her 30s and she asked if she could wear my crown and sash and so I was like yeah sure so I put it on her and like half an hour later her parents came back with like roses for her and and um they were crying and I was like hmm like because I just let her wear my crown and sash and they're like you don't understand like she really believes that she's a pageant queen tonight and this has been one of her like dream come true is to like be a, a beauty a beauty queen so um it was really cute. And when I, I went over to her and I was like, can I take a picture with you? And she's like, oh, yes, you may. And it was, oh. just, it was so sweet. Like, That's she really, so you know, That's I know adorable. I loved it. So it's more the experiences that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the platform and the experiences you get to, like, um, you know, volunteer at certain things that I think are, are really cool about it, too, that I think people don't realize come with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get to do a lot of really great um, like you said, appearances and charity work, and it's fun. It's yeah. it's certainly fun to do. So we have a pick your poison question from the Magic Mom. These are always fun. The question is: Would you rather speak seven languages or be able to talk to animals? Speak seven languages. Oh, really? For sure. Yeah. I already speak to my dog all the time, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can uh, speak seven languages, then I can speak to all kinds of animals already. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it would be dope. I, I would love to be able to speak seven different languages, particularly because I travel so much. And 
working for Glory, all of these fighters speak at least three to four different languages. And we're sitting there like, well, I only speak one, you know? (laughs) And so I think it would be amazing to do that. I know it's embarrassing when you go to other countries. They they speak like at least four almost everywhere else. But I know it is like mostly in America that we just are lazy, lazy, lazy Um, individuals. It sounds super sexy to be able to speak seven, um, and definitely easier to travel. But I just got a dog last week, and I've never wanted to be able to speak to an animal more. So and. Boulder Psychic Institute, which I'm a student at, teaches, they have a whole uh, month training on how to communicate to animals. And I'm considering oh. taking it now um, and seeing what happens. Ooh. So I'm going to choose really that cool. one and maybe it'll happen. Okay. <laughs> like what you, about you, Mercedes? I was going to say, uh, like you, I already speak to my cats fluently. I know their language. They you know talk mine. to yourself a lot. Exactly. So <laughs> what do I need <laughs> What do I need to right. do more of that for? Um, I don't. Me and my dog talk all the time. We're yeah. <laughs> We don't even need words. We just look at each other. No. You know. Exactly. Uh, the closer, the better. Exactly. <laughs> so I pick seven languages. That's easy for me. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. That was fun. Yeah, of course. That was so much fun. I don't know if I'll ever be in the same place at the same time when it's, you know, when you're in one of those tropical or Spanish speaking surf locations. But my husband's a surfer and he's always trying to get me out there and I'm mostly drowning more than surfing. So I would love to learn from you if you have the patience to teach me one day. Let's do it. That would be awesome. All right, boys and babes. There's one last thing we'd like to leave you with this week. And so, per usual, Jade and I have come up with a magic trick for you. Jade, what you got? Yeah, so my magic trick is something that I learned in a Huachuma ceremony, which is perfect for this episode since Wit and I were discussing that a little bit. Um, It is not to confuse someone's energy with their intention. Um, This has been a big struggle for me um, because I can physically see energy at times, and I didn't always know that that's what I was seeing. Uh, and so I was easily confusing it with someone's intention. But even if you can't physically see someone's energy, you can feel it, you know, mm. um, you can feel it, you can feel their moods. And it's important to not confuse that with what they're intending for you to yeah. feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I say all the time, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but others by their actions. And that's that's not really fair, you know. Um, so but the story about that Huachuma ceremony um I was getting ready to go off to this uh, ceremony. And, you know, the day of a ceremony, you want to avoid any conflict. You want to avoid anything dark, um, anything that could bleed into your ceremony that could negatively affect it. So um, I like to do yoga. I like to meditate. um, I fast. And uh, I listen to some really positive, uplifting, meditative music on the way there. And... um, well, that day, uh, someone was going to be coming to my house that can tend to be a trigger for me, mm. but I was going to be gone. And uh, that person is always late also, so I like wasn't worried about this. Well, it just so happens that that person was a little bit early. Mm. And um, so it was like within like three minutes of me walking out the door. And so that person walks in and um, I see, so she walks in and I, this is going to make me sound crazy, but I... I hear her hissing at me and I see dark circles around her eyes and a dark cloud, like a 
grayish cloud around her. Um, and like I said, I, I know now that I can see energy and aura. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't too weird to me, the, the thing around her. But I truly thought that this woman was hissing at me. And I thought... I can't believe she's coming in my house and hissing at me like this. Mm. And um, she's pointing her like I told her. So, again, I didn't I didn't know she wasn't doing this. I told her I said something along the lines of you're going to have to leave. You cannot come in my house hissing at me like this. And I don't want this around my children. So you can't be here. I don't know why you're acting like this. Mm. And she was pointing at me saying, you're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. And I was just thinking and it was coming out as a hissing sound still. So I was just thinking I have to get this woman out of my house and you know make her leave i'm really sad about it because i knew she drove a while and but i'm, I'm heavy about it well i uh, my you know my partner's in the room and he's like what is going on like you wouldn't treat a friend like that mm-hmm. and i was like well i who would come in my house hissing at me like that mm-hmm. and he was like she wasn't hissing so i'm like everybody else is crazy <laughs> you know <laughs> so i leave i start driving to the ceremony and i'm just trying to like get it out that yucky feeling because I want to go into this medicine feeling clear and Mm -hmm. good and so I'm trying to like flush that out do some breathing techniques I get to the ceremony I have a good hour before I'm going to drink the the medicine so you know I'm journaling and um I I take the medicine and the very first so Huachuma is not usually visual. Huachuma is all feeling. Ayahuasca is visual. Mm-hmm. Huachuma is feeling and like wisdom. And uh, the very first message I got from the medicine, grandfather Huachuma, they say, um, was don't confuse energy with intention. Um, sometimes you may see someone and like fear comes over your face because you think that they look so angry, but you're seeing their energy and they're not intending for you to see all that. So to remember to like differentiate it. And um, I realized that that's what had happened with with that guest. Um, and I told the shaman, I went up for a second cup later on, which make sure you make sure you need that second cup before you take it. Um, but once it's poured, your name's on it. So, so I go up for the second cup and I told the shaman what had happened and the message that I received. And he said, ah, yeah, your ceremony started early for you. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when the, when you know, you're going to take medicine later in the day, things will happen to Mm -hmm. prepare you. So yeah, but that was a really big lesson. And, uh, now I try to remember, even if someone you think is just rotten to the core, just remember that that's not necessarily what they're intending to put Mm -hmm. out there they're dealing with their own battles and their own yuckiness from their childhood Mm -hmm. and i really doubt that people you know are trying to be rotten yeah you know to everyone around them so doing the best they can at this moment with all the circumstances they're on their own journey Yeah, and remember, too, what I said in the beginning of this you judge yourself by your intentions but others by their actions so remember that yeah what about you my magic trick is actually more of a quote than anything else. A quote by Bianca Sparacino. Be alone, eat alone, take yourself on dates, sleep alone. In the midst of this, you will learn about yourself. You will grow. You will figure out what inspires you. You will curate your own dreams, your own beliefs, your own standing clarity. And when you do meet the person who makes your cells dance, you will be sure of it because you are sure of yourself. 
Hmm. So, and especially coming, coming off of, um, you know, talking about how Whitney and how you have done a lot of travel solo, how we've all spent a lot of time just contemplating our own selves, essentially, so that we can become, you know, the, the best people we know how to be in this very moment. Uh, a lot of what that takes is being alone and being in your own space and really, you know, looking into the mirror, as it were, um, of who you are, digging out all the painful stuff that you've tucked away and you don't want to look at anymore so that when you finally can say that you're, you know, clear of, of a lot of the gunk that you've congested yourself with over the years of just life you can have this openness, this cleared space inside you for other people, for love to fit into. But you have to do the work and, you know, be alone and really get to know yourself before you get to uh, clear that space and make that room for that love. Yeah, I love that. It's it's also like... Um let your solitude be so sweet, you know, yeah. that um, you're only going to add someone to it if you enjoy their company more than your solitude. I, um, like like you said, I and we were talking about earlier, I really enjoyed traveling alone, learned so much about myself. I enjoyed living alone for a while. And I used to love just eating and going to the movies alone. Um, and I became close with um, Big Cat from uh, mm. Fantasy Factory um, because he loved being alone and so since we both love being alone so much, we like made the perfect pair to go hang out places because we there was no pressure to like talk. That's Sometimes so we just sit yeah. there and eat in silence and it's like we were still in each other's company, but yeah. like we we were being alone together, I guess. I don't know. I um, think being comfortable in someone else's silence is such a huge thing. Oh too. my God, it really is. Like I'll test it out with people like I'm chill. Like I will get it's not that I'm chill. Like I I experience the awkwardness that comes with the silence in in the presence of someone new, you know, mm-hmm. around that you mm-hmm. don't know yet. But I know that on the other side of that awkwardness is this beautiful bonding where you don't have to use words all the time to f- not feel awkward. Like it you can yeah. sit next to someone and feel okay even if mm-hmm. it's someone new. So I think that's a big practice for people to just keep in mind in general is like being quiet, being still around other people and seeing mm-hmm. how you feel, like taking note. Yeah. And okay. You know, adjusting so that it feels comfortable eventually. Yeah. You and I were always quiet once the food got yeah. around. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> oh, cookies? You yeah. Don't say. <laughs> we don't say. We just eat. <laughs> oh. oh. Alrighty, yeah. <laughs> we did a, a cumulative. Uh, Anywho, <laughs> we're gonna go eat some cookies. So yeah. thanks so much for listening. <laughs> uh, we hope we were a light in your day and that you enjoyed that interesting conversation with our pal Whitney. I did. Yeah, uh, we're always here for you, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Any feedback would be awesome. So please leave us a review on iTunes. And please take a minute, Jade. Tell them. It is. It's so important because then iTunes takes notice and then they start to feature it. And this um, actually this beginning time for us is of utmost importance. So please leave us a review. It's going to spread sunshine and we'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, be a light. Bye. Thank you so much to today's guest, Whitney Miller. You are a badass girl. We love you. I think this might have been my favorite 
episode thus far. Mm. And thank you to at Raytone Royal for our intro jam. And, and of course, thank you to Adam at Red Fox Audio for producing the show. We could not make this shit happen without you. Stay magical, friends. Quick disclaimer. We are not medical professionals, so following any of our protocols or advice should be done at your own risk, people. And please remember to always, always do your own research. Tap into that extraordinary growth mindset we all have access to within ourselves and seek out your own answers. Come on, guys. You know. You know the deal. And by the way, if you are a medical professional or an expert in any topic we cover and you feel we are not giving accurate information about it, please find somewhere to contact us. Contact us via social or email us at our website and let us know. A major goal of ours in doing this podcast is to bring value to people's lives by sharing helpful insights and info. So we welcome being corrected at any time and we'll be happy to share any of our fuck ups with our listeners so as to get us all back on track to discovering our happiest, healthiest selves. This program is a Red Fox audio production. Um, what do you got going on over there? Are <laughs> you checking? What are you looking at? I saw an eyeliner line. Uh, what's up, what's up? What's up, what's up, what's up? <laughs> ladies! What's up, what's up? <laughs> it's too much, Jake. All you ladies! Yeah. <laughs>